Today is November 3rd, 2019. This is John Lamb, and I'd like to welcome you to our big table. In this, our second episode, we will continue discussing the delicious topic of apples. Last week, we spoke with Delray Mon about ways that apples can keep a doctor away, and it turns out that the most effective way to keep a doctor away with an apple is to throw it at him. <laughs> so today, we'll talk with Jim and Janet Daniel about growing a commercial orchard. Jim and Janet Daniel are friends of our family, and we know them through church. The Daniels took over running a family orchard from Janet's family. Well, before the interview, we're going to play 20 questions, and afterwards, Elizabeth will award the second Golden Chair Award. Okay, let's play 20 questions. All right, time for 20 questions. In this segment, Archer has a person, place, or thing that he's thinking of, and Sarah and I have to try and guess what he's thinking of by asking no more than 20 yes or no questions. Indeed. For today, the thing you're trying to find is a thing, not a person or a place. A thing, huh? Okay, wait, can I ask the first question? Yeah, go ahead. Is this thing in the room that we are in right now? Yes. Oh, nice, nice guess, Sarah. That really narrows it down. Hmm, So my turn, huh? I bet it's like a board game or something. Or a soda. There are a lot of things in this room. Yeah, this room's really crowded. And but it may be a specific thing as well. So it may be I may be generalizing when I say this thing is in the room. All but right, we turn. do know that there aren't any animals in this room. There aren't any beds in this room. Yep, to my knowledge, no mosquitoes. That's right, no animals. No houses in this room. There's no milk jugs. There's lots of things that are not in the room. That does narrow it down quite a bit. Okay, I'm going to guess now. Uh, does this thing have any electronic components in it? It could, but it doesn't. Is this thing something that you would use on a weekly basis? Do you mean do I or... Do you? No, I do not use this on a weekly basis. Okay. It's been three questions. You have 17 left. Is this thing smaller than a shoebox? Yes. Ooh, there's a lot of things. But it could still be a board game because we do have some small board games. Yeah, you could ask him that. Is this thing a board game? No. So it's not not a game. Actually, uh, hold on a second. Wait, what? What are you looking up on um, Miniature Market or BoardGameGeek.com to see if it's a game? It could be just a random name. and Well, but the thing you're thinking of is not a random oh, name. Oh, no, it's, it's not is... a board game. No, okay. Okay, so it's not a game. You said board game, but I'm assuming it would have been a board game if it was a game in this room, at least, because I'm not aware of any other games in this room that are not board games. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm up. Question number six, and it is smaller than a shoebox. So, is this thing used for arts and crafts? It is, although Mm. it could have multiple uses. Is this something that you have used before? I have. So that does narrow it down. Now, whether I've used it for arts arts and crafts or for something else is questionable. It is a mystery. Question number eight. Yikes, this is pretty hard. So it could be used for arts and crafts, and whether Archer has used it for that purpose or not is 
in his words, questionable. Oh, you could ask if it's in that corner of the room. Yeah, that's true. Because we that... have a bookshelf filled with a whole bunch of arts and crafts supplies. And books. Uh, can you use this to draw with? Let me Let me rephrase that. Is this thing typically used to draw with? Because technically you can draw with like a paper plate. You just need something to like scratch. No, but afterwards I'm going to say yes. Um, what? If I say yes now, it's going to lead you astray. So it's not a pencil in other words. It could be a paint can. Is it? Okay, is this item in a can? Right now? Yeah, the one that's in this room. No. So like it's not a spray? Is that a question? It's not a spray, so like be- that's what I mean by is it in a can. It is not in a can. Okay, it's not used to draw with. It is for arts and crafts. It's not in a can. I think I really think that it's spray paint. Well, that'd be in a can. Not necessarily. Sarah, do you know what spray paint is? It's us paint it's, that- It's paint in a can. Well, but you could be talking about the can itself. No. Sarah, it's paint <laughs> in a can. Okay. Yeah, and it's not good form to have an item that it's like a part of an item, unless that category of item is itself interesting. Like, for example, nozzles might be an interesting um, item if Archer was going to tell us about history of nozzles. You're giving me ideas here. Nozzles, <laughs> your favorite topic. Yours and mine. Hey, everyone, let's talk about nozzles. You know, there is a viewer that's listening right now. It's just like, ah, oh, my life's work. And you're just mocking it. I've spent my whole life designing nozzles and testing nozzles of all sorts. Um, Okay, so it's not used for drawing typically, but um, it is used for arts and crafts. It's not in a can. It's smaller than a shoebox. This is your question 10 right here. Uh, Is this item made out of paper? No. Or or some other fiber. Well, I already answered dad's question, so now you can ask if it's made of some other fiber. Okay. I assume it's not. Um, is it in that corner of the room? I do not believe so. Although, if I looked and I found it, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid asking questions that are like, can you see it or something yeah. along those lines because nobody listening. Yeah. In. So it's up to me again? Oh, nope, it oh, is Sarah's Archer. turn. Archer, I mean, Dad, it could be paint. Okay, but paint is often in a can. No. That of acrylic paint. Okay. Well, why don't you ask if it's used for marking? I asked if it was typically used for drawing. Well, the thing is, paint is typically used for drawing. Not. You said writing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like calligraphy is using paint, so that would be a typical. Well, it's use it's of your paint. turn anyway. And yeah, and then you went eleven with the corner question. Oh, okay. So now, Dad, you're on twelve. And it's. Not over in that part of the room, which for anybody who's listening, Sarah was pointing. It's not a plate. It's not soda. It isn't a hammock. It isn't Legos. Archer's listing things that are in that corner of the room. He's putting his glasses on, so he's got a good look at what it isn't. It isn't glue. It isn't books. It It isn't isn't a hat. Chips. It isn't a hat. It isn't a baseball glove. It isn't napkins, and it isn't bags. Uh, can this item be used for cutting things? No. That, no. Is this a colorful item? Yes, very colorful. Uh, okay, arts and crafts that are not used for writing, not used for cutting. Uh, perhaps it could be used for gluing. Is this item made out of plastic? 
No. In fact, there are four possible materials this could be made out of, and plastic is not one of them. And I'll just give you this as a freebie. It's not fiber. Let's see. What are some kinds of materials? There's metal. There's glass. Mm -hmm. There's plastic. It's not plastic, though. It's not a fibrous material, either. Yeah. That's it. There aren't oh. any other kinds of materials. There's basically, that's Wait, it. We've no, listed all mind. the materials there are. <laughs> so we've got glass and metal. Oh, water and, and fire and wind. There's ceramics, I suppose, but that's a kind and of a glass. And hydrogen. Hydrogen doesn't count. Hydrogen oh, is on a different level, Archer. Wait, did you just say butter? No, oh, rubber, butter. You could. <laughs> it could be made out of butter. <laughs> is this item, would it kill you if you ate it? Or just say make you sick. Or is this physically digestible by the human body? You cannot digest it, but it wouldn't hurt you if you ate it. Although, okay. Um, and this is my big hint. A child could eat it, and it could be bad or good. There are results. I think it's a hint. It's like a coin. <laughs> no. Because kids could eat coins. Yeah, but he said bad or good. I don't, th I don't well, know so any... Going back with the coin, it's not a coin. Um, but you could swallow a coin and you can choke on it and that would probably kill you. Or you could swallow a coin and then you poop it out. Ah, Okay, I so it's made out of glass or metal probably. Um, it's smallish. A guitar pick maybe? You can't. That's made out of plastic usually. Now, it is possible to be made out of plastic, but that's not what you should be thinking of right oh, now. Oh, Dad, it could be a marble. That's true. It could be a marble because kids could eat marbles. Yeah. You've got five questions left. Is this item often made out of glass? Yes. Yes, it is. Is it often made out of metal? Often? No. Well, but can't. it can be, okay. yes. Ball, bear ball bearing. You've got three questions left. Is it a marble? It is. It oh. is a marble. I've got a couple marbles right here what, for you to play with. What four materials were you talking about? What? What four? So we've got okay. glass, clay, steel, clay. or Ad agate. Agate? Agate. Marbles I want some marbles. Agate. Do you have any agate marbles? Archer, I know a whole I bunch of marbles. I do not believe so. I, I think it's only glass that I have. I know of a whole bunch of marbles that are made out of plastic, Archer. You do? Yes. Kind of. Not really. No. Yeah, I, I guess I've seen some, but that's not pretty common. Also, marble? Wouldn't marbles be made out of marble? Huh. You would think that. So for clarification, um, the game of marbles, that is a game that you can play. Additionally, a ballpoint pen uses a small metal ball bearing on the tip of it to move ink throughout the container to the point of the pen. That's why you're saying it could be used for writing? It is used for writing. Ah, but that would have misled us. I see why you, I see your point about that. Yep. There are many different forms of the game marble. In the north of England, the objects and the game are called taws, with the larger taws being called bottle washers after the use of marble and codneck bottles, which are often collected for play. And what bottles? Codneck bottles. Could you spell that? C-O-D-D-N-E-C-K space B-O-T-T-L-E-S. What's a codneck bottle? 
A codneck bottle is a type of bottle used for carbonated drinks. It has a closing design based on a glass marble which is held against a rubber seal which sits within a recess in the lip. So when you pull it, a marble drops out and then you can play with it. Interesting. So people that um, were playing with marbles in England were taking the marbles out of bottles and in the bottles they were actually used to close the bottle. Is that right? Yes, they were used to keep a carbonated drink carbonated. Marbles have been used throughout the world. They were used as early as Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt. I take it they probably weren't made out of glass back then, though. No, they were made out of clay. So, So, Archer, have you ever played marbles? I have played marbles. I played it as a kid in my room. I used to have a rug that was a pretty light rug, but me and my friend got a hold of this really these really big marbles. There are a couple big marbles in that bag right there. Yes. Those are called shooters, and you use to knock marbles out of the ring, and then you collect those marbles. They're um, about an inch in diameter. Right. And they're pretty big. And if you are familiar with any sort of marbles, you know they're the small common marbles, and then they're the big marbles. Those are called shooters, so now you know. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't play marbles much when I was a kid. I played it a few times. I mean, I think I had some marbles, but I was always under the impression that marbles was a game that kids used to play quite a lot when, I don't know, when my grandparents were kids. Uh, We're going to have to ask some of our grandparents if they played marbles when they were kids and see if that's true. Okay. All right. Well, it that was a lot of questions to get there, but we we guessed it. Yeah. And thanks for the. It was really hard. Yeah, that was really hard. Thanks for the information. Harder than you'd expect. Yeah, twenty questions is pretty tough. We're going to have to get a little better at our twenty question game, Sarah, so that we have a better chance of guessing things in the future. Today, Jim and Janet Daniel. Join us at our big table to talk about growing apples. For many years, Jim and Janet Daniel owned and managed George's Orchard, which was located in Pacific, Missouri. Although George's Orchard is now closed, Jim's got a large garden at that location, uh, which lots of his friends help him out on. He gives away lots of fruits and vegetables uh, to people in the community and to us, and we really appreciate them and are happy that they're willing to talk with us on our big table. Okay, let's talk with the Daniels about apples. You happen to be someone who has experience with a topic that we've been covering uh, for our last couple recording sessions, which is apples. Okay. So we have been talking to our grandpa, Mon, who is a doctor, and we've been asking him about his experiences with apples when he was a child. And also, we did an apple taste test where we bought different kinds of apples from the store, and we tried them, and we saw which one we liked the most. Which one was it? I still like the gala apples, personally. Sarah, yeah, so Sarah really liked the gala apples. Now, we we pronounce that gala. Gala? Gala. Is that the official pronunciation, according to our um, apple expert? What do you say, Janet? (laughs) I don't know. That's what we called them, gala. And we had the royal gala. They had more color. They colored up more. Could you tell the difference when you ate them? Did they taste differently? I guess that was the only variety that we had. We planted all royal gala. So how many people does it usually take to run an apple orchard? The highest production was 52 acres. And I remember helping 
type of about 60 W-2 forms. So there would have been about 60 workers. Oh, wow. And many of them were ladies because around Labor Day, that's September when they would start coming in, and there were a lot of women that were working for us in the orchard and in the um, grading room and sales room. What's a grading room? Well, we had a machine where they were sorted according to size. So you, you sort them according to size, but you also visually sort them. Yeah, like with color and if they look rotten or not. To quality, yeah. So were most of those employees that you had, were most of them uh, temporary, so they would only work for a short period of time, or were those, those all year-round employees? No, no, they was temporary. The women especially liked it because that gave them Christmas money. They'd have, well, you were harvesting September and October, and um, they really liked working for us. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So did you guys have staff that did work all year round, or was that just your family? I think mainly family during this during the other months. But then there were also, once you um, finished harvesting, was the pruning. So there were people hired to help with that. You want to tell about the machine, Jim? The If you could just give us a brief rundown of the type of work throughout the year that's required to run an apple orchard. I guess the pruning during the winter months. But then here we're in Franklin County, Missouri. And what I would tell other people that were thinking about planting orchards, the very first thing you need to do is get the water source because you can get a drought. And if you don't have the irrigation already set up, you're going to lose the trees. We've experienced that. And another grower here in Franklin County had told us that, that that was so important to have your water source in place. That took men during the summer, too, and Robert and John, they were helping with that during the summer, laying out the pipe. Hey, Janet, could you tell us who Robert and John are? Our sons, Robert and John, were teenagers. So the water sources that you had, were, did you have a river or a pond, or where'd you get the water from? We had a company at Pacific. It was Shepherd Water Drilling that dug a well for us. It was 900 feet deep, so that was a oh, really wow. deep well. So about how many kinds of apples would you grow in your orchard? We had 16 varieties. We could list those for you (laughs) if you needed them. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be interesting. There was one, a really large apple that you never see in the store. It was called Mutsu Crispin. And it was a large apple, and the flavor was just excellent. Now, that was a Japanese variety. The Mutsu Crispin was a Japanese variety. And how about about the Turley? How about the Turley Wine Sap? That was another big apple. So what was your favorite kind that you grew? Well, our favorite cooking apple is a Jonathan. Oh, yeah, that's one of the ones that we tried. Yeah, we had a taste test of apples, and the Jonathan was actually one of the ones that we liked the best. Well, Sarah and I liked the best. I don't think Archer liked it as much. That was just eating, too, not for cooking. We just thought it tasted good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good-tasting apple, good-eating apple. Uh, that's the apple we usually use when we're making apple butter. Oh, I've never heard of apple butter. Is that just apples and butter? <laughs> You've never heard of apple I butter? I was going to have some for you tonight to take home. <laughs> I haven't, actually. And then Lodi, L-O-D-I, 
was a summer apple that we had, and you don't see those in the supermarket. They come in, and you need to make use of them right away, or they just turn like cotton, and they'll start popping open, and they're not worth anything. <laughs> you had to harvest them and get them to the market very quickly? I think we, we had a list of customers that wanted those because we weren't actually open until Labor Day. It was so easy to say, we're going to open Labor Day, and then we would try to finish up by Christmas. And I was thinking, too, that that Royal Gala was just coming in. And our son Robert had returned home from serving a mission for our church in 1994. And we had, what would you call it, Jim, like a boom with a bucket? I was in the bucket and picking the royal galas in the tops of the trees that were just beautiful. It It was really a special time. And those went to Deerberg's. It was such a new variety. We well, happened to be, they, they came in early. We just happened to be one of the archers that were producing them at that time. When you say they came in early, you mean that they ripened earlier than the other ones? Yes, early in the season. But, but it was a new variety also. So about how much money, on average, do apple orchards make, do you think? Well, I remember one year we finished up and uh, tallied everything up, and Janet said, well, my employees made more money than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Your employees meaning your sons, or you meaning all the ladies that worked for you? We we were in partnership with my parents, and we had leased it, so it was three ways. What I remember was 21,000 and it was divided three ways. Might say our partnership, 14000 So one grower, I remarked to him, until you get the crop in, you don't know what you're going to have because you could have hail damage or just a lot of things can happen. And that grower said, I don't count it until I get my bank statement back. <laughs> it's that critical. <laughs> oh, I've got some questions for you about apple trees and growing apples. So you said that pruning the apples was one of the main jobs, but could you take us back before that? All of us have eaten apples, and we all know apples have seeds in them. Is that where you got your apple trees from, is you would buy seeds? Or did you, like, buy saplings from the store? No, no. Um, Actually, one year we made our own trees, How did you do that? Okay, you buy rootstock, and um, sometimes it's not even an apple tree. Sometimes it may be a quince tree. When you're saying rootstock, you're referring to a tree that's grown for the purpose of producing its roots, and then you would cut the top off of that tree, and then you would graft onto it uh, a different kind. That's correct. So you're saying that sometimes the roots that you would use were not even apple tree roots. They were from a different kind of tree? That's correct. Mm -hmm. So how do you do the grafting? Did did you do that yourself, or did you purchase the trees where someone had already done that? We purchased the root stock, and then we went out in the orchard and took cuttings off the trees that we really liked. Uh, There were a couple of them that we didn't even know the names of but we really really liked them. They were a good tree, good apple. 
So then, then we would graft that onto the rootstock. Uh, there's also another method of grafting where you have an inner stem, where you'll have the rootstock, then another variety, and then another variety on top of that. So just to make sure I understand, you have a some kind of a trees, roots, maybe not even apples, and then you'd have a cut. Correct. And then another type of tree attached to uh-huh. the roots, and then it would be cut. And then on top of all of that, right. you'd actually have your, your apples. Yes. Why would you do that? Well, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, you, can, you can go out, you can take a, an apple tree, and you could graft 10 different varieties on one tree. Would you do that so that the same tree could produce different kinds of apples? Correct. Uh-huh. Why would an orchard do that? Well, an orchard wouldn't, but, but you can do that. So you could do that at home just to have an, yeah. a tree that produces all sorts of different apples? That's correct. Wow. That sounds like fun. I think you see them in the catalogs, trees that are available. That just have a million varieties attached to them? Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, now I want to buy some apple trees that produce all sorts of apples on them. It's the miracle tree. Now, let me tell you one of the advantages... You, you wouldn't believe how much spraying it takes to produce a good apple. Spraying with? With insecticides, fungicides, bactericides. There's all kinds of diseases that attack your tree. And you have to spray and, and you have to know when to spray, when to use a particular spray. Uh, believe it or not, you start spraying your apple trees before they ever even leaf out. Oh, wow. There's a a spray that they call a dormant oil spray. And when it says dormant, that means the tree is still dormant. And Jim, you said that there's an advantage to having those trees with multiple types grafted to them? Well, one of the advantages is that it extends your spraying time out. Now, that can be good or bad. First of all, it makes you get out there a lot earlier and stay a lot later. Uh but the advantage is that, that it spreads it out. You don't have to spray everything every day. So it makes the work a little easier to manage for a smaller crew? Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So I know that our trees, like our orange trees and all the trees that we have inside right now, they have spider mites. Uh-huh. Have you ever had spider mites on any of your trees? Oh, yes. Yes. So what do spider mites do and like how do you prevent them? Well, you use an insecticide to kill the spider mites, and if I recall, they attacked the leaf and the fruit both. But you, you could comment about the um, fire blight, how contagious that is, how the pruning shears need to be dipped in a solution. You usually use Clorox. We've got some uh, fruit-bearing trees. We've got some pear trees over at our house. No, I think that we do have an apple tree. Okay. When you were deciding to make an apple orchard, did you have the option of making a pear orchard or an orange orchard? Or was an apple orchard really the only viable option? Oh, and peaches. You could have gone gone with yeah, peaches. peaches, yep. So you you could go with all of those and it would all be viable, or were apples really popular? Well, tell about your dad. It was my grandfather. That's where the George name comes in. So 
Martin and Josephine George came to Pacific in 1918, and they were trying to get the farm paid off with selling milk and butter and there was already an orchard here in Franklin County, and that was the person that suggested planting the apple trees. So I've got a ticket from Stark's Nursery where they were buying trees in 1927, and that grower also recommended going planting the large percentage of Golden Delicious. So the ones that we were harvesting, they don't look anything like what's in the supermarket. <laughs> What was, what was the difference? Well, my grandfather didn't want them harvested until those seeds were brown. <laughs> so they were well known for the golden delicious apples. And then we were making apple butter, and we made that without any sugar in it. So people were really excited about getting that. We, we would tell them, well, it's still natural sugar. <laughs> as far as the people that were diabetic. So there were there were still people that wanted to be healthy back then? Oh, yes. Well, it was more about being diabetic, I would think. And now with us making the applesauce for our friends, there's no sugar in it, and we haven't been putting any cinnamon in it. And the mothers love that because their kids like it. <laughs> oh. This year we made, uh, let me see, 475 quarts. And the, the applesauce and the apple butter that you make now, you purchase those apples, right? Not, a, not an apple tree on the place. There is, there is here at our home, but down at the farm, there's not an apple tree on the farm. Um, we had heard from our uh, from the kid's grandpa, Mon, that's my father-in-law, Delray Mon. Uh, he grew up in a small town in Idaho. And he said that at Halloween, the kids from the neighborhoods would have fights in the streets throwing rotten apples at each other. Yeah, like gang wars. And one of the things he noted about that was that a lot of times people would buy apples and they would they would go bad. Whereas today, most of the children today, and my, my children certainly, almost never see a rotten apple because we purchase apples from the store and they're perfect and you don't buy a huge amount of them. You buy a small amount at a time, and you can eat them all before they go bad. I remember when I was growing up that we would go pick apples from a U-Pick orchard, and we'd have lots of them, and we'd wrap them in newspaper and um, put them in baskets and store them in the basement and eat them throughout the winter. Do you remember children throwing rotten apples at each other for Halloween, or is that just an Idaho thing? We didn't do that here. One, one time my brother... And uh, his cousin, there were some apples that had been thrown out. And then there was a neighbor that near the farm, he left his car along the highway. He'd had too much to drink. And my brother and his cousin just plastered the car with rotten apples. And that was not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing as far as our family was concerned. Those children were just as rotten as the apples. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only only rotten apple event that I ever heard of. If, if I came back to my car and it was covered with rotten apples near an orchard, I think I know who I would suspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my brother and cousin were in bad trouble. <laughs> Um, I guess the final question we have for you is, do you think that people enjoy eating apples as much today as they did when you were children? Right now, people love that um, honey crisp 
and usually the price is three ninety nine. That's expensive for an apple. And they would be buying more to eat if the price wasn't so high. I, I think there's a there's a big demand for apples. Thank you for letting us interview you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, we learned a whole bunch in this interview. Well, you you're sure welcome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Now, it's time for the Golden Chair Award. This award is given each week by my mom, Elizabeth Lamb, to a person that was really helpful, truly caring, or made her happy. The winner gets to sit with us in the golden chair at our big table for that week, or at least until the next award is given. Even if you don't win the golden chair, there are plenty of seats with us at our big table, and you're always welcome to join us. All week long, I've enjoyed sitting in the Golden Chair since I was the first winner of the Golden Chair Award. However, now the time has come for the next week's awarding of the Golden Chair. It might still be you. It could be. In fact, I think there's a good chance of that because I am certainly deserving. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. These are a few examples of either kindness or courtesy or general support and friendship that I saw this week. Um, During this week, Ava cleaned the house in order for her friends to come over. Um, She wanted it to look nice for them. Um, I appreciated Archer driving Sarah and Ava home from a couple of activities this week when John and I were not able to do that. And if if you haven't made up your mind already, I might be going to pick up Ava uh, tonight. Just saying. Yes, yes. I will I will consider that. Yeah, good job with the last second attempts to influence the awarder, Archer. I, I'm not influencing. I'm just pointing out details. So during this week, it was Halloween, and Sarah was the only one who went trick-or-treating with her friends. Yes. And she was willing to share her candy with both Archer and Ava. It was very cash money. <laughs> And then I was proud of Archer for continuing to support the few teammates from his cross-country team who were continuing on to districts. And even though Archer did not continue progression in that, he still continued to practice and support those teammates by attending the districts with them. Nice job, Archer. It, so- it sounds like Archer is the winner so far. It was really cold out. Yes. But I must say, the Golden Chair Award this week actually goes to Glenn Lamb. Gasp. Yay! For a second week in a row, going and giving Archer a ride. Oh, that's right. When no one else was able to come get him. Or able to call Grandpa, and in a flash he says, yes, I will go do that. So thank you, Glenn. Good job. Come have a seat in the golden chair at our big table. All right. Yay. Yay. Happy. (laughs) Okay, great. So Grandpa is the winner of the second golden chair award. Who's going to be the winner next week? Who is it, Mom? We'll all have to be in our best behavior and be extra super helpful to see if we can win this award. Find out next week on... Our Big Table. Our Big Table. The Big Table. 
And remember, there's always room for you at our big table, and you're always welcome to come. Ahaha, yay, wow, happy. Hi, this is Sarah's weekly joke. Okay, hey, Archer, I've got a joke about apples. What's your joke, Dad? Why do people like apples so much? I don't know. Because they're so appealing. Actually, that's probably bananas that are so appealing. But since we're talking about apples today, I kind of twisted it a little bit for apples. Veni, Vidi, Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. Veni, Vidi, Velcro. I came, I saw, I stuck around. We're learning about Caesar right now in my language arts class, and we're reading Shakespeare's play about him. I see, and Shakespeare was... Uh, one of the first advocates for Velcro. Oh, yes. Yeah, it helped with the actors changing their costumes quickly, I think. Okay, bye. Woo-woo-woo-woo-woo.